baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. Oh yeah, The Weekend Report is on your radio, and thank you for listening to it. Tony Colombo here with my partner Chris Arps. Hi, Tony. Carl Middleman. Hey. Our producer is here as well, and... If you've been listening to 97.1 over this holiday break, you no, do not adjust your radio. <laughs> we are here again. Yeah. Yesterday, uh, Chris Arps hosted the Annie Fry Show. They were desperate. And I was, uh, <laughs> at, he uh, was nice enough to have me sit with him for the entire show, and Carl produced that show yep. as well. So it was like the weekend report on a Friday. Which is technically the weekend, isn't it? I guess. Yeah. yeah okay. And but now you know, it was Black Friday, or as Chris called <laughs> right. it, Friday. Yay! How's that, Carl? We told the joke right. <laughs> Carl's been trying. <laughs> Carl's been trying to get days. Chris to tell that joke for two days. Um, so yeah, so go, uh, it was a great show. And if you missed it, you can always check out the podcast. Absolutely free. It's Chris, too late for the rewind, though. Uh, yeah, you can no longer do the. Uh, it's only you can no hours. longer do the radio rewind on the radio.com app, but you can go and check out that podcast. Uh, it was a great t- time yesterday. Had a lot of great guests, and in fact, um, because of how many great guests and the great discussions that we had, we are going to in today's show replay a couple of the moments from uh, yesterday's Andy Fry show that Chris was hosting and uh, I was a part of. We talked to uh, Jim Gwinner. We mm-hmm. talked to uh, former Speaker of the House. Tim Jones and many others kind of had a roundtable discussion yes. on a lot of the issues that are happening right now. So we're going to replay some of those segments as we go along today um, and uh, sort of expand on those conversations. And especially the interview we had with Greg Keller with the controversial slot machine. Yeah, they, very. The yeah. audience can uh, rehear that. Absolutely. Very, uh, very interesting discussion there. And that's kind of what we're going to do here today. It's going to be a little bit different than the normal weekend report. We are not going to have um, a bunch of guests. We are not going to uh, play the Weird News yeah. Challenge. We're going to basically just do uh, our, our week in review segment for the entire show. So well, we we're had... going to dive into some serious topics, and we're going to have it's the holiday weekend, and so we're going to talk about a lot of lighter topics as well. And I think we would have had to pay Skip and uh, Trish time yeah. and a half and to come why, in on yep. the holiday weekend. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And Good. that's why I, because uh, all that money comes directly out of my wallet. <laughs> there you go. And so that's why we are not having them in today. Uh, but we have got plenty to do, plenty to talk about. And like I said, we are going to go back and revisit some of those discussions that we had yesterday when Chris was hosting the Annie Fry show. Um one thing that I need to remind you of, we just touched on it, but if you want to go back and check out that entire episode of The Annie Fry Show or any episode of The Annie Fry Show or any episode of any 
of the shows on this radio station. You can download the Radio.com app. It's absolutely free. Uh, you can actually download our podcasts in, in many, many places, but the best place to do it is the Radio.com app because it basically gives you one-stop shopping for everything here at the radio station. You download the app, your favorite 97.1 FM talk, and then you can stream the station and listen live to it 24-7. You can, uh, Carl mentioned just now, the Radio Rewind feature, brand new feature that you can actually rewind live radio that you're listening to there on the app. So if you are listening to an interview and you don't want to wait for the podcast or you just want to, uh, maybe you misheard something or you're like, what did that person just say? You know, you can just quickly rewind. In fact, up to 24 hours, you can rewind live radio uh, just like you were watching your 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 television, your DVR at home. Uh, when you rewind your television, you can now do that with the radio on the radio.com app and like I mentioned, you can download all of the podcasts from all of the shows here, and all of it, all of it, all of it is free. So go and check out that Radio.com app if you haven't done so already. So like I said, we're going to dive into a whole bunch of topics today uh, as we look back at sort of the week that was and um, go through a bunch of issues. I wanted to start with something that, uh, Chris, you and I talked about uh, we got we had a chance to uh, briefly touch on this uh, on the Dave Glover show earlier this week when you were in with us on that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we ran out of time, and I kind of wanted to expand that discussion here. And that is the situation with these uh, two separate polls that have come out uh, w- from Rasmussen and from Emerson that shows that Donald Trump is surging with uh, the black vote uh, nationwide, uh, that he is gaining massive ground with black voters. Both polls show that Trump has the support of 34% of black vote across the country, uh, which, if if true, is unheard of. And we've talked many times on mm-hmm. this show about uh, the the power of the black vote. Right. We've, we've had Burgess Owens on, you know, uh, and had this discussion with him many times. And we've talked about if if Republicans could just get 20 percent of the black vote, how much a game changer that would be. And uh, to see these numbers and to see it from two separate polls, right. not just one uh, poll that you could say, well, that was a fluke. That's an outlier. That doesn't really count. Two polls that have basically shown the same numbers uh, that President Trump has 34 percent support of black voters is is if again, if true, is crazy. Uh, are you buying it? Are you do you think that this poll is is true? And if so, why is this happening? If it would have just been the Rasmussen report, I would have seen it as an outlier. Um, Rasmussen has lost a little of its luster since their founder, Scott Rasmussen, was drummed out of his own own company company. a few years ago. And also Rasmussen tends to skew heavily, not heavily, but skew in in terms of Republicans. But with this other poll saying the exact same thing, almost a 33 Mm percent, I think that it could possibly be true. And Tony, I think what's fueling this surge of support for the president is the illegal immigration border wall issue. I really do think that's what's fueling it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've told this story many times that when I was in Texas in 2016 for a family reunion, that my two aunts, who were very hardcore Democrats, 
uh, were showing some favoritism towards Donald Trump, and part of that was because of the illegal immigrant issue. Uh, now, one- s- somebody's probably wondering why would the why would black voters care more about the border mm-hmm. wall than anyone else? Mm-hmm. Why would that be such an important? topic when it comes to our issue when it comes to the black vote. Well, I, I think it's a broader issue. They feel that a party that they've been supremely loyal to for the past 50 years, giving 94, 95 percent of their vote, is kind of taking them for granted. Um, if you look at the past few election cycles, all of the 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 emphasis seems to be on Hispanic uh, Americans, yeah. either when it comes to dreamers, and immigrants, if it yeah. comes to uh, people that are in this country illegally and trying to legalize them. So I think the the that is what's resonating with African-Americans. Um, I think that, uh, like I said before, because of my aunt in Texas is, a, is an administrator and she saw where they were having to pay extra money for bilingual tutors and bilingual things of that nature. And I think just the African-American electorate, a big part of them, 34 mm. percent, says that this is just not fair. So essentially all the uh sweet talk that the Democratic Party has given the black community over years and, and decades, over the past several decades, uh, of you know, saying that we are the ones that have your back, we're the one we're the only ones working in your best interest. We're the ones that are trying to fight for equality. Um, you know, all of these, uh, all of this attention and love and uh, sweet talk, really, sure. that the Democrats have given uh, the the black voters over all these years. Uh, people are now seeing all of that same sweet talk being directed at the Latino vote and the uh, and, and immigrants mm-hmm. um, and. Now black voters are saying are sitting here saying, well, you're not even paying attention to us right. anymore. And not only are you not paying attention to us anymore, but you also never did any of right. the things that right. you said you were going to do. Right. And so that's why a lot, in your opinion, mm-hmm. I guess, and, and I and I will co-sign sure. that. That a lot of these, uh, that a lot of black voters are starting to become disenfranchised with the Democratic Party. I think they are, and there was a very interesting uh, segment on Meet the Press last weekend. They call it Data Download, where they look in the numbers, and these numbers are just startling polling numbers. That it said that 50 percent of African American Democrats identify themselves as conservative or moderate, and only 18 percent consider themselves liberal. So I think that's such a wide open um, opportunity. Uh, for the for the Republicans to do outreach, and if fifty seven percent of African Americans consider themselves conservative, conservative or moderate, you can see them having a problem yeah. with people not following the rule of law and illegal immigrants getting benefits. So there's just a wide open opportunity there. It's just that the Republican brand is so bad that African Americans would rather vote against their interests than, than vote for Republicans. Right, right. Yeah, and and why the Republican brand is so bad is an entirely different discussion, whether it's their own fault, which it certainly is mm-hmm. and, and to some extent. Um, but, uh, you know, there's also a lot of lies that have been told by the Democrats over the years, um, uh, at least in my opinion. I'd say, Tony, it's about 60-40. 40%, I would say, is just self-inflicted. Um, the other 60% is, well, I don't know. Yeah, just Democrats, <laughs> just Democrats being exactly. better at, exactly. uh, at, at, at lying, yep. <laughs> at wooing exactly. uh, that, that community. 
Um, so, as I mentioned earlier, we've talked many times on this show about the power of the black vote and in and, and you, how you don't even need to, um, speaking from the perspective of the Republican Party on a national, from a national viewpoint, that you don't even need to get a majority of the black vote. You just need to get maybe 20 percent. And that would be such a shift that it would be a game changer. So pretending, assuming that these polls are correct or even anywhere close to correct. Mm -hmm. If Donald Trump or anybody running, you know, nationally uh, on the Republican side, if they can get anywhere close to 34 percent of the black vote. Is that something? Is that any? Is that something that the Democratic Party can overcome, or is that just game over? Uh, they can overcome it, and only, they can't. The only way that I can see them overcoming it is uh, what we see in a lot of jurisdictions, which they say is absolutely crazy. But you have illegal people voting. That's the only way they could co- overcome that. But if Republicans ever got twenty percent of the black vote. Democrats would be hard-pressed yeah. to win a lot of elections in this, this country. This is a huge story, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and it's another example of when I was trying to find details about mm-hmm. these two polls and trying to get some information right. about these stories, and I'm Googling it, mm-hmm. almost no information <laughs> is coming up. Imagine that. And I would think that they I mean, would criticize— like buried— And they criticized Rasmussen, so I'm sure—I'm surprised that they didn't just totally dog Rasmussen yeah. out, but because it's two polls saying— the exact yeah. same numbers. How is this not a story? How is this not a bigger national story? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know why. Well, I they don't want know. that That's out. They exactly don't want right. that. They don't want that information yeah. out. No, you're right. <laughs> um, uh, changing, changing topics, but uh, along the same lines. Um, another situation that we we've, we've had a chance to touch on um, earlier this week, but not really delve into, uh, and that is that situation with Barack Obama, who has always been the uh, messiah of the Democratic <laughs> Party, the patron saint, uh, the greatest man that ever lived. You need one more. Uh, one more yeah, adjective. Come right. Uh, the greatest man that ever lived. Uh, I think that's good enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, you <I guess> so. <laughs> uh, he uh, uh, recently uh, called out Democrats for uh, challenging and challenged their calls uh, to tear down the system. Obama warned Democratic presidential hopefuls to pay attention to what voters actually think, saying most, quote, most people don't want to tear down the system. And voters, including many Democrats, quote, just don't want to see all that crazy stuff. And Everybody, and, and I think rightfully so, is interpreting when they when he says that voters don't want to. Many voters don't want to see all that crazy stuff. He's talking about the extreme left mm-hmm. platforms that many of the Democratic frontrunners have, like free everything, right. free health care, free uh, education, uh, fifteen now twenty dollar minimum wage, and he's warning against that. And he's. And this is Barack Obama, yeah. and he's just getting buried. Uh, outrage was uh, was directed at him by many people on the left, including uh, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, who said, it, "Well, it so it, it sparked this whole um, uh, hashtag too far right. left movement on on Twitter and social media, where because because Bur- uh, Obama's warning was essentially don't go too far left, and all of these." Uh, uh, liberal pundits and politicians and celebrities 
are all embracing this call and and revolting against him saying, don't go too far left. They're saying, no, we are too right. far left and saying things like Ilhan Omar tweeted out, uh, being too far left means I believe health care is a human right. I believe future generations should live on a healthy planet. Being too far left means I believe all student debt should be canceled. Being too far left means minimum wage should be $15. Being too far left means lives depend on gun reform <laughs> and all these other things. And that's just one person. And there's more than just Ilhan Omar at, you know, that have spoken out against this. But, and I could go on, but, mm-hmm. but you get the point. Uh, and so, you know, here is Barack Obama, the, the great Barack Obama, <laughs> giving what I feel is very sound advice mm-hmm. to the Democratic presidential candidates saying, hey, be careful not to alienate yourself and go too far left. And they're just trashing him yep. for it. You know, my late political mentor, uh, State Representative Sherman Parker, had a saying that he would say often, and that is, play chess, not checkers. And I honestly feel that that's what Barack Obama is doing in this situation. He's playing chess, not checkers. Barack Obama is just as left-wing as these candidates, but he knows that that's not going to sell to middle of America. You have to be a wolf in sheep's clothing. If you remember during the campaign, and because they wanted him to win, it didn't get a lot of uh, public. But Barack Obama said if a coal company wants to build a new coal plant, they can do it. They're just going to be put out of business. It's going to cost so much. Hmm. Barack Obama said, and they didn't publicize that much because they wanted him to be president, said that gas is going to have to be $5 a gallon so that we can get people out of their cars. So I think Barack Obama is just saying, hey, guys. I'm a black man who won the presidency twice, so I may kind of know what I'm doing. You, This far left-wing agenda that you're putting out there just can't win. Yeah, but they don't want to hear it. No, they don't. They don't want to hear because it. Because they and live in bubbles. Yeah, they, they think everybody believes like that. And he's got to be shaking his head because I agree with you. Yeah. I think he is that type of person. Oh, you got to run to the middle. Time. you got to run to the middle, change, you know, try to flip some moderate yep. voters, and then you can govern however you want to govern. So he's got to be shaking his head going... Listen, you idiots! Yeah. I'm on your side. Yeah. I this. I'm just telling you, this is how to win an election. Mm-hmm. And instead of listening yep. to Barack Obama, they are. He's now, you know, part of the problem because well, he's not. He's not liberal. Enough. And they live in that bubble. Remember what I said on Andy's show yesterday? Is a lot of the uh, Democrats after Nixon's landslide election were devastated because they were saying, "I don't know how he won. Nobody I knew voted for him." <laughs> right. And it's kind of the same thing with these right. people. They live in a bubble, and they yeah. have convinced themselves that ev- that the whole country is left of center, like they are. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. Uh, we have to take a break. We've got plenty more weekend report coming your way. Keep it right here. You're listening to 97.1 FM Talk. Report 
97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo, Chris Arps, and Carl Middleman here. Uh, we're here today, and we were here yesterday. As we mentioned earlier, Chris Arps filled in for Annie on the Annie Fry Show, and we had a very interesting roundtable discussion with Jim Gwinner and Tim Jones, of course, one of the uh, hosts of uh, the Tim Jones Show here on 97.1, former Missouri Speaker of the House. We covered a lot of issues that are currently happening in the news, and so we're going to bring you a little piece of that discussion right now. Here's our roundtable discussion from yesterday's Annie Fry Show with uh, myself and Chris Arps and Jim Gwinner and Tim Jones. This is Chris Arps, and as I teased all show, we've got uh, the speaker. I'm Tim in the house. Jones. How are oh, you? Yes. Sucker off. The hardest one <laughs> evil ones crept up and slipped away with us. I got all kinds of things here. Oh Bad and bougie. <laughs> the hardest working man at Intercom today. He hosted the Mark Cox show. He's on the Annie Fry show, and then he'll be going to our sister station. In about a half hour doing the uh, Reardon Roundtable. Yeah, then they're they're going to haul me out back and throw me in the dumpster because I'll be used up. How you guys doing? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy yeah, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Merry Christmas, yeah, we can that's, say now. That's right. Exactly. I see Tony's putting the tree up over there. Yeah, putting up the uh, <laughs> studio tree. Oh, and is that really, a secret? It's okay. a little Charlie. No, not at all. <laughs> he really looks like he's enjoying what no, he's doing. No, that is not a secret. No, it's not a secret. It's ready to go. Oh, you're making me nervous, though, Tony. Now i got to go home and start doing stuff. Oh, <laughs> I know. It's like way too fast. It's yeah. like it's December 1st on uh, Sunday. It's yep. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Mr. Speaker, as you know, Tony and I co-host a show on Saturdays called The Weekend Report. Yes. And there's a segment that we do in there called The Weekend Review. Okay. And uh, we basically go over the top news stories of the week. And since you're here and Tony's here and I'm here, we thought we'd just kind of recreate that on the mm-hmm. Annie Fry Show. Fantastic. Jim's here, too. And Jim, I'm sorry. Jim's <laughs> oh, and Jim looking like I, I am here. We're going to need Jim more Boy. microphones. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to zing Jim here. Jim's here because there's no use watching the Mizzou game this afternoon. <laughs> oh. We got it on. It comes on shortly, man. I'll give you score updates. Okay, very good. (laughs) First thing I want to get into is the national scene uh, with impeachment and the the president and all of that. Well, mainly the Democrats, which I think they are coming apart. You're starting to see a lot of disarray. disarray. Um, You're starting to see, uh, and I got an article here, I think it's from Newsweek, where they are starting to throw out the censure word yes. uh, instead of impeachment. You remember earlier this week, there was a black congresswoman from Ohio, I think, who basically let that cat out of the bag. Mm-hmm. And you're starting to hear that uh, starting to come out. So the odds on favorite has been the, the, the Republicans have gone or Democrats have gone too far to uh, stop impeachment. This is a train that's on the tracks, can't be stopped. What do you think, Mr. Speaker? Well, this all started last Sunday when Adam Schiff was on Meet the Press or Chris Wallace. Uh, He was on one of those shows, and he was asked directly that very question. So, when are you going to have the impeachment vote? (laughs) And he, I I couldn't believe my ears. He was backpedaling furiously in refusing to say that it was going to happen. And this is Adam, this is California Adam Schiff, the guy who's been running the Soviet-style star chamber, for the last several months, he said, you know, I thought this was hilarious, I have to go home and see what my constituents have to say. (laughs) You know, in in California, right? What are they going to say? They're going to say, hang them high, right? I mean, they've been wanting to get rid of Trump out there, you know, since before the day he took the oath. But so 2015. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting that it started with Adam Schiff. And then you're exactly right, Chris. Throughout the week, we've had this drip, Mm -hmm. drip, drip of various random people 
backing up. And you're talking about a Michigan congresswoman from a plus 30D yes. district. You're talking other Congress people from very safe. So if the safe people in the safe districts, and I think they did that on purpose to test the waters, mm-hmm. are saying this, what do you think all of these Congress people in these Trump won 2016 districts are hearing all weekend long as they're home in their home districts at the coffee shops, doing a little Christmas shopping at all these festivals that we have going on? What do you think they're hearing? They're hearing, what have you all done this year other than hate on this president? Look, I, you know, a lot of us get upset about some of the personality style. I think some of it's very entertaining. <laughs> but, you know, I, I know a lot of people are, are dissuaded by the style, but it's hard to argue against the policy, especially when your 401k is about twice the value it was a couple of years ago. You've got a job. You've got opportunities. Your wages are rising. And we're in a relative peace, uh, a period of peace and prosperity. Mm hmm. Can yep. you can you explain the difference between a censure and an impeachment? Like, what are the? Yeah. Well, we censured Maria Chappelle Nadal a couple of years <laughs> yeah. ago here in the Missouri um, General Assembly. It's a slap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It can be everything from a slap on the wrist to you can you could have your committees. Well, they can't take anything away from the president. Right, so right. if you were in the legislature, they could take your committees away. Okay, I think they did this to Peter King on the yeah. Republican side. Yes, they did. You can take your committees away. You can take your assignments away. You can do things like that. With the president, though, because of the uh, co-equal branches of government, a censure is going to simply be a slap on the wrist. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? If they can get that vote and it's high enough, they'll all well, they'll all vote for it. And then Nancy Pelosi can declare victory and ride off in the sun. They'll, they'll spin it into something else. Mm-hmm. I think they're very worried about this IG report that's coming, despite the spin you're hearing from the New York Times. And I think they're very worried about the fact that they forgot that after an impeachment, the whole th- the kit and caboodle goes to the Senate, which is run by... Republicans, mm-hmm. where Chief Justice Roberts is going to sit in the chair, where the five 2020 Senate Democrat presidential hopefuls would have to come in and sit in that Senate gallery with their mouths zipped and their hands in their lap and sit there through Iowa, maybe <laughs> New Hampshire, mm-hmm. maybe South Carolina, while, Super we bring, Tuesday, maybe? while we bring in Joe and Hunter Biden to talk about yeah. Ukraine and the Burisma uh, issue. I think they're all like, Oh, we didn't really mean to go this far. We just thought this would be kind of score some political points, but they didn't move the meter, right? Mm -hmm. Best case scenario for them is that everybody's opinion before impeachment hearing began is the same as after. Um, I wanted to get I want to take this opportunity to have this discussion with all of you guys in the room as we're kind of doing this uh, weekend review style thing. Um, A question. Something that I find fascinating, we've been talking about the election and talking about the damaged candidates. We're talking last hour about, you know, these Democratic candidates uh, running for president and how they uh, are eating their own and how, you know, we don't even I I personally can't see any of them beating Donald Trump. Uh, The first time I heard this uh, idea was a couple weeks ago on the Dave Glover show Think Tank. Alvin Reed, who is a Democrat, Mm. said that he. Did not he does not believe that the person who will be the Democratic nominee for president is even running yet, or at least not among the front runners. I I, I find that I I never heard that. I thought it was mm-hmm. fascinating when he said it, and then since then, over the last couple of weeks, I've heard more and more yeah. political pundits say that. Uh, Jim, what I want to hear everybody's opinion. Yeah. What are the chances? Do you think there's any chance that the guy who wins the presidential uh, nomination on the Democratic side is not even running yet, or at least not one of the front runners yet. Uh, as far as the front runners, I think that's a, a very good possibility. I don't think you've seen uh, you're seeing Buttigieg pop up now in the Iowa mm-hmm. the Iowa polls, but you don't want to be 
the number one person in the Iowa caucus yeah. in December on December one when the caucus is four five months away. That's a long campaign cycle. For those of us that have ever worked on campaigns, ran on campaigns, um, I think I'm less inclined to believe somebody like a Bloomberg who just got in. Yeah, uh, he may run as an independent, which could give uh, a whole nother dynamic to an election. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think the the U.S. senator who hasn't announced yet is going to come back in, or uh, I don't, I don't know if I think Hillary's going to jump in or not. Yeah. I, I really don't see that. Um, the idea is that it's so ripe right yeah, now that these that these candidates are so weak that it's it's perfect timing for somebody to ride in on their white horse, save the day, and steal the nomination. But whoever that person is, the Democrats' main problem is, and we talked about this last hour, they need somebody that can re- unite all of their different factions. And the only person that I can see that is either Oprah Winfrey or Michelle Obama that can unite those super left-wing loonies yeah. with the moderates, with everyone else. Who else is out there that can you that can unite all their different factions? Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's besides ex- those two. That's exactly right. The Democrats uh, do not have the right person running right now that can beat <laughs> Trump, and the wrong people keep getting in the race. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that a uh, that a, another another seventy plus year old wealthy old white guy Michael Bloomberg is going to save the day is just not going to work. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pull rank on Lewis Reed. I don't know if you guys just saw this today. The founder of BET, Robert Johnson. Uh. Did, did you have that I've article? Got the story. I, haven't read, I haven't done it yet, but go ahead. He just said that President Trump is slated to win in yeah. 2020. The Democrats don't have anyone to beat him because they've gone full <laughs> throttle nuts. Yeah. That's the founder of BET. Mm-hmm. Barack I Obama mean, basically said that. Barack him, Obama himself threw Joe Biden ago. under the bus. So, I mean, they're searching for something that doesn't exist yeah. right now. Your, your point, Chris, is valid that Oprah or, I don't think Hillary, Michelle Oprah Obama. or Michelle could give him yeah. a run, but at this point... It's getting really late in the game. Mm-hmm. A lot of the deadlines have now already passed to file in some of these states. So do you think we even see anybody try to swoop in? I think that after uh, uh, Iowa and New Hampshire and no one is really broken out. I mean, people are kind of dogging out uh, Bloomberg, with Bloomberg, but it's really a good strategy. If after the first four contests, no one really stands out, yeah. then, you know, the Democratic elector will be like, well, we don't really see anybody we like. Maybe Bloomberg, and he can gonna uh, wash the airways with money. So, I mean, it, it it could be a good strategy for him. Right? Yeah. May not work. I don't. I don't know. I saw an article that was a great analysis about uh, why Democrats are infuriated at uh, Bloomberg. Is they're worried that because he's got so much money to spend, he's going to trash all the candidates in all these other states, but he himself won't be popular enough to win. So he's going to harm the whole field but yet not be good enough to win himself. So all he's going to do is yeah. do damage to everyone. Totally That's that. Mr. Speaker Tim Jones. We're going to be back with more of the, uh, what are we calling this, Tony? Weekend review? Weekend, weekend report roundtable. Weekend table. report roundtable. Yeah. We're going to get into uh, some stuff where I think uh, the Democratic field is going to start to winnow out. And I've got some articles here that I think uh, uh, show that. You're listening to the Andy Fry Show. This is Chris Arps on Black Friday on 97.1 FM Talk. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Got one more segment to go in this hour before we bring you a whole second hour of the Weekend Report. Got more issues that we want to dive into coming up in that second hour. Right now, though, we're going to bring you the second half of our roundtable discussion that we had yesterday. Chris Arps was filling in for Annie on the Annie Fry Show, and uh, I was co-hosting that show with him, and we were talking to Jim Gwinner, and we were talking to former Missouri Speaker of the House Tim Jones, and uh, going through... 
through a lot of the issues that are happening right now. And so we're going to bring you the second part of that discussion right now. This is uh, from yesterday, roundtable discussion with myself, Chris Harps, Tim Jones, and Jim Gwinner. Here it is. Just so the audience knows, Tony, go. You're, you're fine, Tony. Tony is is hard at work putting together the uh, studio Christmas tree. He's really, uh, really getting into that. It's been my job for years to be the person that either hangs lights or puts the tree up in the studio at Christmas time. Ah. And so I am doing my job. You do it very well. Thank you. And as I said, we've got Tony. Jim Gwinner, Mr. Speaker, Carl Middleman. We're going to get back into the weekend report, weekend review. I got it straight. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, and since you are the official attorney for 97, for 97.1, our, our attorney. T- today I am. I'm, <laughs> yeah, the only, today. I'm the only one in the room right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Today yeah. Are. Yeah. We want to get into a little bit about this $20 million verdict. Yeah, don't um, tell Dave Glover that. <laughs> oh, yeah, only, yeah, one, he, only one in the room right now. He doesn't. Yeah. Pra- but he he says he doesn't practice. Yeah, we're, well, I'm, I'm recovering as well. There you so, go. And Dave yeah. says Dave himself will say he was not a good lawyer. He's been he's been recovering longer <laughs> than I have been. Yes. I want to get into this uh, twenty million dollar verdict. You know, I thought that this was over. That hey, he's won. He's going to get get his money <laughs> by a matter of time before he gets his check. And there's there's a controversy with the strategy. That county lawyers are using to get this overturned, I guess. Can yes. you explain or go into that a little bit yeah. for us? So there's a lot of complicated issues here, and without without knowing all the legal background, I can definitely provide you basically kind of a general, like what is what generally happens after a jury verdict. Mm-hmm. Well, after a jury verdict, a lot of people think, well, that's like you said, that's yeah. the end of the story. No, that's not true. In in every legal case, when the judge or jury makes a decision. Uh, here in the state of Missouri, you have a certain period of time to file post-trial motions. Right. So you can file post-trial motions thirty up to thirty to forty days. They don't let you take forever. You got to make mm. your mind. You got to sure. make a decision pretty quickly um, to contest that um, cont- contest that verdict or that judgment by the judge. And you can make it under a lot of grounds. I looked at the article really quickly, mm-hmm. and Chris, they're they're making an art- they're making an argument. For a new trial, so their their post trial motion, the counties okay. representing the police department, they want a new trial because they said that the plaintiff's attorney for the police officer mm-hmm. made an improper uh, argument to the jury based on current law in the state of Missouri that you could not recover under the Missouri Human Right Rights Act because sexual orientation is not a protected class. Now, before you go forward, yes, the judge knows that he's an attorney, he knows the law. Why didn't the judge? You don't stop have to be an attorney to be a then. judge. Uh, well, you know, well, why didn't why didn't he, why didn't wasn't this stopped then? I don't know what instructions the judge gave the jury. The judge may have instructed them properly, mm-hmm. and if the judge did instruct, despite whatever the plaintiff's attorney said in their closing argument, you get a lot of latitude in your closing arguments. You know your Perry Mason style closing arguments. You can get pretty dramatic. Right. As long as the judge gave the proper jury instructions to the jury. And they base their decision on that, and a reasonable person could not uh, decide that they did not. This verdict is going to be upheld. So, outside looking in, what I think the answer to that question is: we've seen around the country these types of cases where LGBTQ or something is attached to a law that they don't necessarily. <laughs> the law wasn't written for them, like this law in Missouri, and it's just that the the judges. Are they don't want to be the guy? They don't want to be the person that makes a stand and looks like they're somehow against a class of people, and so mm-hmm. they just kind of let it go, let it ride because they don't want to be the ones that make it look like they're 
you know, anti-LGBTQ. So they just kind of let this go because they don't want or, their next election yeah, to or, not go their way. Or they know if it goes higher, it's just going to get shut down anyway. Yeah. It, and, but back to my original point, though, there's there's a lot of causes of action that are put into a, a theory of a case. OK. And just because the the attorneys for the county are saying that you can't give an award under the Missouri Human Rights Act for sexual orientation protection because it doesn't exist there. That doesn't mean that the judge necessarily gave the wrong instructions under some other legal theory by which this officer recovered this money. Okay, Mm -hmm. so it really depends on how the judge instructed the jury to apply the facts to the law that he gave them. Now, what I think could happen, and maybe they filed this post-trial motion as well. I thought I heard that Mm -hmm. they did. The amount of the award could get reduced. And there may be a very good legal argument that, okay, this young man was aggrieved. He had a good cause of action. If if the case was proper and it's not going to get overturned on the on the the issue that they're making as to uh, the legal theory. But was the award just simply beyond the pale? You know, maybe he still gets millions of dollars, but maybe he doesn't get twenty nine million dollars. So that was Tony's big problem. Like twenty million dollars. Yeah, yeah. they, they still could do it. It's called remittiture. They still could remit or reduce the judgment. So there's a lot of legal maneuvering going on after this massive verdict, mm. and they're trying to find a way out of it or to reduce the pain in some way. Is and my, he's still my showing theory. up to work every day. <laughs> there you go. Hey, there I you wanna, go. I mean. I want to talk about an issue, Mr. Speaker, that I'm sure gave you plenty of headaches when you were in the legislature, and that is Medicaid. Yes. Uh, There is something that's on the ballot next year to, uh, I guess, give Medicaid to everyone. I I, or or expand it. Expand Medicaid. I knew that Medicaid took a big part of the budget. But until I read this article, I didn't know. I I think it was gazillions of dollars. Our Mm -hmm. budget, Missouri's budget is thirty three billion dollars and Medicaid is eleven dollars. It's a third of the budget. That's incredible. Do you think that if do you think first of all, do you think voters will pass this uh, in a referendum? I know we saw clean Missouri. Anything can happen. But what what will we do if this is passed? We can't afford this. So let's let's go back to uh, let's go back many, many, many years when Jim Gwinner and I were young pups running around (laughs) pretending to we might get in politics someday. When the budget was 11 million. Yeah. Yeah. Governor (laughs) Matt Blunt. Matt Blunt was governor Mm -hmm. and Matt Blunt stood in the breach, stood in the gap with a brand new Republican legislature and they did massive Medicaid reform. And and if they and remember, they were people were shackling themselves to the doors (laughs) of the Missouri House Mm -hmm. and Senate, chaining themselves. And Matt Blunt was derided by all of our favorite people over at the Post Disgrace every day, right. and he was the worst governor ever. And you know what he did? He saved the state of Missouri over a billion dollars that would have been carved out of our education budget right. or whatever other budget. And so they did reform. The left hated it. Ever since then, they've been trying to put that money back in. And uh, I said, I, I just said no during my term there. We said no to Medicaid expansion. Mm-hmm. We've said no to Medicaid expansion for almost a decade under the new Obamacare law. Now they're trying to do it by the ballot. Now, it will pass, as it has in every other state, unless Missourians, who are very frugal people, right? We're very Mm -hmm. small C, even the Democrats in the state, especially the independents. We have rejected every tax increase, every nickel, dime, penny, quarter for cigarette. Even cigarette taxes get Mm -hmm. shot down. If Missourians understand that this will raise their taxes Mm -hmm. and will blow holes in the budget, I think they could reject it. But it's a very, it's a, hey, look, we're also compassionate people in Missouri. And if they see on the ballot Hey, free health care for everybody. And it's not really explained to them where it's going to come from. People will vote yes. Yep. Now, I want to talk about an issue that is very dear to uh, Jim Gwinner's heart. Jim is the past alumni president of the Mizzou. Did I get that right? Mizzou 
Alumni yep. Association. Yep. Yep. And uh, Mizzou is yep. in a little trouble with the NCAA. I think they've gotten a completely raw deal. But, uh, Jim, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so a little bit more than a year ago, the NCAA came out, uh, and Mizzou self-reported an infraction right. where a, a tutor, a student, was taking some tests for, I think it was about a dozen uh, student-athletes that were from the football, the baseball, and I think women's softball, softball, softball yeah. programs. Yep. yep. Um, and the NCAA came down with this list of infractions, including scholarship reductions, uh, limited recruitment visits, mm-hmm. and uh, a bowl ban, specifically right. a, post, a postseason ban for those three sports, including uh, this year, although I'm not sure it's going to matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, Take it this year. But it looked yeah, like, right, we'll it, looked it, like it was going to matter big time. It looked Earlier like, this season, it looked like... They before could, the Wyoming game, it sure yeah. looked like it mattered. Yeah. <laughs> and is that I'm, the first I, game I, of the season? It was. Uh, that was the first game. And I'm a huge Mizzou... I mean, I'm first kid in my family to go to college. Right. I, I love Mizzou. I'm, I'm proof conservatives can come out right. of a large state right. institution of higher <laughs> education. <laughs> I love the place. I love everything about Mizzou. But this was a raw deal. You look at Mississippi State, mm-hmm. the infractions they committed, the violations that they admitted to, the penalties that the NCAA gave. Um, this was a, a complete misapplication of justice by the NCAA. It was arbitrary. I'm not sure if capri- – I don't know what the word capricious means, Tim. I'll yeah, I think that. it applies here. <laughs> okay, well, it applies well, here, Jim. Jim, you said something – I said, always thought Jim was a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. No. Sounds like one. No. Yeah. You said something key at the very beginning of, of your statement is that Mizzou self-reported. They did. And in the past, with these NCAA mm-hmm. rule breakers, for lack of a better term, obviously, if an institution turns themselves in and does their own investigation, that's taken into account by the NCAA and usually will result in a lesser uh, punishment. And it didn't seem like Mizzou, it didn't seem like that applied for Mizzou for some reason this it time. didn't it it seems like uh, Mizzou it seemed like Mizzou self uh, self-reported yeah they and did everything se- right after they found out that they about the rule breaking so once they self-reported you know and this decision came out and then the appeal and the denial of the appeal came out what this is telling institutions of higher education across the country now is one don't cooperate with the ncaa don't self-report right uh we saw senator caleb Rowd, state senator caleb Mm -hmm. rowden put a very uh very well-versed letter out uh thursday or friday the day after the uh the announcement came out i think the ban came out monday so tuesday the letter came out a lot of people are are reaching out to the ncaa expressing their opinion they are are uh, they're saying you know that just the frustration, and there's a lot of words I can't use right, on the air. Right, right. Um, Did the just, NCAA ever say why it took so long? Also, that was a ridiculous. Yeah. This part is of this. A, this beginning is, of the year. The this lack took of it so long. They could have. They could have done nothing like they just did six months ago. They could have yeah. given clarity to the institution because this is not affecting the students who had someone mm-hmm. take the tests right. several years ago. <laughs> This is affecting those student athletes on campus now. This is affecting the football players who had nothing to do with this uh, infraction, the baseball players, the softball players. This this is harming those students. And I look at those other institutions. Um, you know, it, this just exacer- exemplifies what the problems are with the NCAA. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I'm speaking on my own behalf, mm-hmm. not not as part of a, a, sure. a an organization, but there's a lot of frustration amongst the. Uh, Amongst the Mizzou boosters around the state, uh, you're gonna—I think you're gonna see potentially somebody introduce legislation this session. Uh, but there's a lot of frustration that goes beyond just 
the first yeah. game and the sixth through the tenth games this season. Well, Not counting the five wins. We've talked about impeachment. We've talked about all kind of issues. I think that's the most animated Jim has been today. <laughs> uh, talking about some important, <laughs> uh, an important uh, thing for people to know about this story is that it does not affect the basketball team. Yes. So if people oh. are wondering oh. about like the okay. NCAA tournament or you know if the, if the basketball team, if this is uh, football, baseball, and softball. Yeah. The basketball team is not included in right. this NCAA. Support. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Jim. Thank, Thank you, you uh, Tony. Thank you, Carl. You're listening to the Annie Fry Show on. FM Talk. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think Perry will mind that. But when he's in next week, Uh, you can ask ask him. There you go. That's a great point. Welcome back to the Weekend Report. Our number two is on your radio. Tony Colombo here (laughs) uh, with my partner Chris Arps and uh, producer Carl Middleman. Hello. Uh, if you missed any of that first hour, don't forget you can always download our podcast, or if you're listening uh, on the app, you can use the Radio Rewind. Just rewind and listen to it again. Uh, Chris hosted Annie's show, the Annie Fry Show, mm-hmm. uh, yesterday Thank on you, Friday. And no, no, it was Black Friday. Black Friday. <laughs> but to but Chris, it was just, just Friday. Just Friday. Carl, that's my line. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't tell. <laughs> it's my line. You did steal it. You gave him the joke, and, and now he takes it he's back. Finally, figured out how to tell it. And he and takes it back. You gotta All let right, him fine. tell it. Chris, yesterday was Friday. No, no. damn it! Now you can't. Now you can't. Chris, right, we're moving on. So yesterday was Black Friday, but for you? Friday. All right. What do you think? Good timing? No. That one was good. It's we not quit our day It's jobs. not funny at all. <laughs> Tim Comedy's in trouble, man. So, it was no, funny. He's safe. Yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. Right. Exactly. When you didn't tell it on the air. So on Black Friday, Chris hosted Annie's show, and mm. I was uh, in with him for the entire show. Karen and Carl me. produced that show. Mm-hmm. We had a great roundtable discussion with... Um, uh, Jim Gwinner and just heard Speaker it. Tim Jones and mm-hmm. all that. Yeah, and so we just got a chance to replay some of that roundtable discussion. And if you missed it, you can go and download our podcast or hit the Radio Rewind button and check that out in the first hour of this show. Got another interesting topic coming up in the next segment, again from yesterday's show, where we had a chance to talk about the new controversy surrounding these video Oh, um, yeah. uh, slot machines that are being put in at places, all bars mm-hmm. and gas stations and convenience stores a- across the state of Missouri. And uh, there is some controversy surrounding whether or not those are legal or not. So we are going to talk about that coming up in the next segment. Uh, right now, kind of want to dive back into the week in review. Oh, I do want to promote this. We're going to talk about this a little bit more later on the hour. Later on in the hour, we're going to get into this a little bit deeper. But I just want to remind people that we have a brand new feature here oh, on the yeah. weekend report. Carl Middleman, our producer, who, huh? as you may or may not know, is a member of the St. Louis Film Critics Association I am. and uh, has been reviewing movies on this station for a very, very long Since time. Since 2007. Yeah. And I've, got a, I've got a question for as, you. Yeah, okay. as part of uh, Max on Movies and the Entertainment Rundown and, and shows like that and the history of this station. And so uh, we're going to take advantage of... Having Carl here <laughs> on this show and take advantage of him being a part of the uh, St. Louis Film Critics Association. And we are going to do weekly movie reviews mm. on our YouTube channel. So uh, 97.1 has a YouTube channel, of course, and we have a Weekend Report playlist on that channel that we put 
videos on all the time. And you can you can see the latest video all the time on our website, 971talk.com slash weekend report. You can just go to our website and right there on our page is a YouTube video player with the most recent video that we have put on the Weekend Report playlist. And right now you can go and check out our very first movie review with Carl Middleman. And we're going to be doing this every single week. So along with we're not going to stop any of the other videos, any of the other video content that we were putting up there before. This is just a new thing that we're going to also be doing on the webpage, 971talk.com slash weekend report. So make sure you check that out every week. And we came out of the box this week with a big one, uh, a double review, which is not going to be what we no. normally do, but we wanted to, you know, make a big splash with this 17 first one. 17 minutes long. Yeah, we did Frozen <laughs> 2 and uh, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the mm-hmm. Mr. Rogers movie. So, oh, okay. yeah, we'll talk a little bit. We'll, we'll, we'll do a little mini we'll review. Yeah, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. But uh, make sure you, you make a habit of that before you head out and go to the movies and spend your yeah. hard-earned money on that. Make sure you check out Carl's movie review every week. At 971talk.com slash we can report, and uh, he'll tell you what movies are worth it and what movies aren't worth it. I have a question that I have wanted to ask a movie reviewer for years, and this okay. is all seriousness. All right. okay. You know, movies is art, mm-hmm. and art is sub- subjective. Art is subjective. Mm-hmm. What makes your opinions about a movie? Why should I listen to them? Why are they, why are they valid? What makes your opinions valid? Because I have studied film. Okay. And I, every, what, I, what you have to remember, Chris... Mm-hmm. That and I'm serious about I'm, this. I'm serious, too. Every film is somebody's favorite movie. No matter how good or bad you think it is, thought of that, almost right? every, uh, let's say almost, yeah. because, you know, there are there's a, some exception sure. that'll prove the rule. Almost yeah. every movie is somebody's favorite movie. A movie that you hate, your least favorite movie, and you have this discussion with people right. all the time. That's my favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. And it's because movies are emotional. It's because... Maybe your parents were getting divorced and they put that movie on right. and you watched this and st- to escape. And so I'm just pulling that out yeah. of my head. But mm-hmm. you might say Ernest Saves Christmas is a horrible, horrible film. But I guarantee that is somebody's fa- favorite right. movie. So can a movie stylistically or artistically be a good movie, but it's not entertaining? Yeah. Can they be, you know? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the last Star Wars movie was beautiful. <laughs> it was, I mean, see? visually it was yeah. beautiful, but it was a horrible now, for movie. For that reason, would you go see Ryan Johnson's Knives Out? No. Which is a murder mystery. No, I'm done with everything Ryan Johnson. <laughs> okay. I'm done with Star Wars. And and he, Oh, Tony. But he also knows he also knows Mm-mm. that the last first of all, Star Wars children's Star Wars movies are children's movies. They're made for twelve year olds. Tell my wife that. No, but it, you can still appreciate it. You can still like it. But a Star Wars, there will be kids out right now that are 12 years old that Last Jedi will be their favorite movie. Yeah. And it will be. If you don't think that Star Wars is a kid's movie. You're wrong. Go to yeah. go to any Target and walk into the toy kids section. Mm-hmm. And, and you will see yeah. that it is a kid's movie because of and, all and, of the marketing and mm-hmm. toys yep. that they have. And it's interesting movie. you say that that movie is for 12-year-olds. Because Star Wars came out in 77. And how old And I was you? 11. Uh-huh. I was six. <laughs> I was 11. I was six. So, yeah. But that, I was that advanced makes sense. for my... <laughs> yeah. And just because you know, it's, just because it's made for that doesn't mean that yeah. people, that adults don't still love that you, stuff. Tony's going to see Frozen this weekend. Exactly. Yeah. So, one more question. I'm sorry, Tony. But this no, is, any, I've always wanted to ask anybody, about this stuff. Anybody can be a film critic. Anybody okay. can have an appreciation of film. And my opinion is not any more valid than your opinion. Yeah, and I will, ones. I will, before you ask, yeah. I will say this about the movie review uh, that Carl does, he doesn't. 
he doesn't just say he, this movie's bad. I think this movie's bad, right. so don't go see it. He just he tells you why. Analyzes yeah. the movie. No, and really just says this is what it's about, and this is what you may like about it or you may not like about it, and kind of lets you make up your own mind. You know, he'll just, right. he'll tell you like it's this kind of movie, or, th- okay. or here's what you need to if know you like about the first this movie. one. You'll like this, and then one. you can make your decision based on you know him saying here's what type of movie this is, or here's the things to look out for, or here's and he, we let you make up your own mind. It's not it's not. Hey, this movie is great. I think this movie is great. If you like Gone with the Wind, has there been a movie, Carl, that has been universally loved? Everybody loved it, but the critics just hated it. Yes, every comic book movie. (laughs) Well, yes, every comic book movie. Besides Black Panther, Um, you could say that uh, the Fast and the Furious series. Uh, I've never seen one. No desire. That's why Transformers. Exactly, movies that are. Some people hate Titanic. Never seen it. Uh, mm. What? Yeah, I know I'm probably the only person on the planet. I've That's not true. That's not true. It. There's a lot of you know, who wants to see it. They, you know, you know how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah why would you waste three hours to go yeah. see that? Yeah. The ship. Sinks. All right. Sorry to uh, digress you know there, but I no, always been interested in movie critics and what qualifies for but your opinion to be any better than anyone else's. And all, all you just that. have to remember is any movie is somebody's favorite or least favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Let me throw that in there. It yeah. could be mm-hmm. a movie you love. I guarantee there's somebody out there that hates it. Yep. Yep. And we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Frozen 2 and It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood specifically uh, a little bit later on in the show. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to go and check out the movie review. It's up now, 971talk.com slash weekend report or on the 971 YouTube channel. <laughs> um, and we're going to do it every <laughs> week. What are you Because I'm like, even, even though Tom Hanks is a great actor and everything he is He's in is so good. so good as Mr. Rogers. I just can't imagine, like, hey, Becky. Let's go to see Mr. Rogers tonight. We'll go see a movie well, and get drinks and just make a, a little, night of it. Here's I just a little can't... teaser. Here's a little teaser. <laughs> the movie is not even what you think it is. It's not, it's well, not, I'm not expecting them to no, be a I, Mr. Rogers episode or no, anything. No, no, it's not. It's not even. It's that. not even what you think it is. Yeah, okay. It's the the uh, the trailers are misleading. The marketing for the movie has been very misleading. It's not a Mr. Rogers. It's not the story of Mr. Rogers like everybody thinks mm-hmm. it is. So it's not one of those stories where we're going to do this... it later. Okay, right. we're going <laughs> to. Okay, we'll talk. Don't talk. Don't talk. Don't talk. I can get, get me going. Yeah. On this get back forever. in your lane. Okay, we'll talk. About... Oh, let's do it. We'll get talk... back in your lane. We'll talk about it a little that. bit later. But there's your tease. Yes. Uh-huh. Get back in my tease. lane. The Mr. Rogers movie <laughs> is not about Mr. Rogers. Okay. Even though it's called Mr. Rogers. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yep, yep. If as Carl said in the review. If Tom Hanks were to be nominated for an Oscar for this movie, he would be nominated for Best Supporting Actor because He's Mr. Rogers is a supporting role in this movie. Oh, He's not the you star. You really teased it. I know. Okay. So we'll 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 okay. uh, get into that a little bit later on. And if you can, uh, and if you want to, you can hear the entire review again. Ninety seven one talk dot com slash weekend weekend report or the ninety seven one YouTube channel. Okay. I'm going to stay in my lane now. I want to dive back, back in into lane. a couple in stories uh, from <laughs> this week. Uh, one thing I found interesting. We don't got to spend a lot of time on this, but I but I do find this very interesting. Sarah Sanders has all but officially began running for governor mm-hmm. of Arkansas. Uh, she has launched a what she's currently calling a personal website uh, that looks a whole lot <laughs> like, like a, a campaign, campaign website. website. Uh, she recently said that she feels called 
to serve the office of uh, of the governor of Arkansas. And uh, Donald Trump has even publicly stated that he thinks she should run and that he thinks she would be a great governor. Uh, Sarah Sanders is going to Sarah Sanders. Do you think she's going to run and do you think she's going to win? I have met Sarah Sanders uh, before she got famous. This was I like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Did you before she got famous at the in the spin room after the St. Oh, Louis yeah. debate? I remember that she remember was that. Uh, one of Trump's surrogates, yeah. and I got a chance to interview her. And at the time, everybody was gunning for right. uh, Kellyanne Conway <laughs> and Rudy Giuliani. I remember and that. Ben Carson. And Sarah Sanders was in the spin room and not getting hardly any attention, so it gave me a chance to have a really great talk with her, which that interview is still somewhere on the 97.1 YouTube channel. (laughs) So while you're there looking at the movie review, you could dig back through the archives and you can find that somewhere. But yeah, Yeah. she's, uh, I've met her personally and got a chance to to talk with her. Uh, She's a pretty impressive person. And now everybody knows that. I would, you you know, you'd have to say that Sarah is the hands on favorite. Your father's the ex governor. Uh, Donald Trump is going to be coming in campaigning for you. Used to work for the president. He's very popular in Arkansas. So, of course, she has to be the hands on favorite. But my whole question, Tony, is what executive leadership experience does she have to be a governor or in that type of position? And that's, I think, is going to be her Achilles heel in this campaign. But overall, name recognition, Mm -hmm. the money, she's going to have all that, but she's going to have to somehow bulk up her resume and convince Arkansans that that she can be an executive leader. Think she'll do it? Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I do. I think. Why not? I mean, she's a shoe-in. Right. (laughs) Practically. No, I agree. I think she will. I think she will absolutely uh, win if she runs, and I think it's pretty obvious that she's going yeah. to run. And Tony, a lot of the way that stuff goes, um, you know, her father ran for president uh-huh. before, and we've had a president from Arkansas, and a lot uh-huh. of presidents uh, come from governorships. So this may be the beginning, the beginning. of something far yeah. down the line where we see another Huckabee running for president in and ten years. You could absolutely see that. Uh, unfolding president i thought i'd never say president huckabee right um alexandria ocasio-cortez your favorite person says that the policies and programs she supports should not be considered quote free stuff and that (laughs) people and that people who uh receive these benefits or would receive these benefits if her policies and programs went into place uh, are not being given anything the people that would get the free stuff are not getting free stuff, they're not being given anything because they have earned and deserve all of those things. In fact, she went so far to say that she says that uh, uh, that people that call it free stuff are wrong and misleading, and she says that she never wants to hear the word free or the term free stuff ever again because it's it's just the media lying and misrepresenting uh, her her programs. And so she says, I never want to hear one of you reporters ask me about free stuff or use the word free again because it's you're just you're uh, you're just being mean. You know, I'd have a question for <laughs> I'd have a question for Congresswoman uh, Ocasio-Cortez. Mm-hmm. Um, how did illegal aliens deserve and earn free college educations and free medic? care how did how did they earn it human rights 
Oh, okay. I think that would be her. I really think that would be her answer. Because, you know, you're saying these people deserve and earn it. How do you deserve anything when you're not here illegal, when you're here illegally? And and never, and and she will just not engage now. If you call something free stuff or use the word free, you say these programs are going to give people free education, free health care, free whatever. She's just not going to engage. You know what's scary? She never wants to hear those terms again. You know what's scary? is I saw something that... She was the top uh, money fundraiser for the Democrats last quarter. Oh, that doesn't surprise <laughs> but me. But I'm one just bit. of her, of she Nancy also, Pelosi, all of the people in leadership. She outraised them. She also used a term that I had never heard before. Uh, she called Democrats that don't support her mm-hmm. type of programs, the Green New Deal. Uh, you know the whole Bernie Sanders yeah. free everything, even though we're not used a lot of use the word free. free. She free. called Democrats that don't support those programs neoliberals, mm. and I had never heard the term neoliberals before. But she used it very derogatory and said, you know, all these neoliberals who don't believe that. We should be giving away free, you know, they're yeah. wrong and I'm right. Neoliberals. That doesn't make sense because neo means new. So you would think the neoliberals would be the progressives, not people that have common like sense. neocon. But, but neocons are new conservatives. Neocons are people that used to be liberals and saw the light, like Crystal, uh, William Crystal and Krauthammer, who saw the light later and became uh, Republicans. That's a neo neoconservative. So, I, like I said, I think a neoliberal would be a... She a probably new just liberal, thinks it sounds cool. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what it is. You know, <laughs> you know, she has an economics degree. Well, so if we ever get her on the show, don't uh, don't don't ask her about any programs that provide people free stuff because she's she will not she won't dignify that statement. Carl, have you gotten her yet? I, I've put it. a call in. Oh, okay. <laughs> don't seem like you're really working that hard on that. Earlier in the show, we (laughs) talked about how um, the uh, president is gaining ground with the black vote, according to a couple of new polls Mm -hmm. that came out. Uh, More polling data this week showed that uh, things are not going as well for Elizabeth Warren. Mm. She is plummeting. In in some of these polls, in the latest Quinnipiac poll, uh, she was down... Uh, 14% to 14%. So she had been at 28% and literally lost half of her support in this most recent poll, moving her down to third place. Uh, That Quinnipiac poll showed Joe Biden at 24% leading. Uh, Pete Buttigieg has moved ahead of Elizabeth Warren at 16%. Uh, Then you have uh, Warren, who I mentioned is at 14%, followed closely by Bernie Sanders at 13%. A new CNN poll also shows uh, Elizabeth Warren dropping into third place. Um, all of the polls mm-hmm. basically show that those are the only four candidates that matter. Those are the only four candidates that are in double digits, even close to being in double digits. And that's uh, Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren, and, and Bernie Sanders. Um, most people are blaming the Medicare for all push that people are starting to, uh, even Democrats are starting to be disenfranchised by the realistic possibility of this Medicare for all and the costs that are involved with it. And they say that, um, you know, her continue uh, to push hard for Medicare for all is what is what is making her um, uh, plummet so much in the polls. Do you think that uh, Elizabeth Warren has seen her surge and is now um, 
uh, fading away, and maybe that's that. Maybe this is the beginning of the end. You know, law. People that know me know my fav. One of my favorite books is the Forty Eight Laws of Power. And in this sense, instance, uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren broke law. I think it's twenty eight, which says, "quote Keep your words vague but full of promise." And I think she <laughs> broke that law by when, giving away too many details. Yeah, giving away too many details. <laughs> She's been skating for a few months. Medicare for yeah. all. No one's going to have to pay for it. We're going to get the air, the money from outer space. Everything's going to be great. And once she finally did put a price tag on her plan, which was $20 trillion, yep. that's when you've seen her uh, support plummet like a screaming eagle. She's roast, been the darling coaster. and even considered by some to be the front runner for the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that is over with, and do you think that she can ever get back there again? If the Democrats keep uh, swinging towards moderate voters like Buttigieg and all them, she's yeah. done. I mean, yeah. once she put that price tag on her Medicare plan, her, her uh, supports have been dwindling. Yep. yep, that's what these polls show for sure. Law 20-something. Right. Yeah, 28, you said. <laughs> we got to take a break. When we get back, we are going to hear from Greg Keller from Torch Electronics about the electronic... Uh, polling machines, gambling machines in the state of Missouri and the controversy surrounding that. Uh, it was a conversation that we had yesterday when Chris was filling in for Annie on the Annie Fry Show. Uh, we're going to bring you that discussion next on the Weekend Report. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 97.1 FM Talk. FM Talk, Tony Colombo, Chris Arps, Carl Middleman here with you. Uh, We mentioned a little bit earlier in the show that uh, the three of us were all here yesterday as well as Chris Arps was hosting the Annie Fry Show. Uh, Annie was was out, so Chris was hosting. I was in with him for that entire show, and Carl was here as well. And we had a really interesting discussion with Greg Keller from Torch Electronics about the controversy surrounding the the electronic slot machines, the gambling machines that are popping up all across the state of Missouri. So we are going to replay for you right now that discussion that we had with Greg. So check it out. Greg Keller from Torch Electronics talking with uh, myself and Chris Arps from yesterday on the Annie Fry Show. Our next guest is Greg Keller. Greg Keller is a spokesman for a company that is uh, creating what I don't know if we call them slot machines or closely slot machines. My good friend Jim Gwinner is going to uh, set this up for me. Yeah, Greg, welcome to the show. Greg Keller is the head of Atlas Strategies. He is the former president of the American Conservative Union, the best head of hair in politics, (laughs) and a very dear friend. So, Greg, welcome to the show. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. And and I have to admit that I worked with uh, Greg and Senator Jim Talent's office back in the day. The good old old days. (laughs) The good old days when life was so much simpler. Back when Chris had hair. (laughs) Exactly, I did have hair. It was was receding, but I still had a little bit. (laughs) Greg, talk about a little bit about uh, what's going on. A couple of weeks ago, this is starting to be kind of a mini-controversy. Uh, where where uh, the gaming industry, of course, seems to be the main one that's against this, that they're saying that these uh, quote-unquote slot machines are illegal. What do you say? Well, we at Torch Electronics have a proprietary type of machine. We call them no-chance game machines that are completely legal by Missouri law and by Missouri statute. They adhere not only to the letter of the law but the spirit of the law. The Missouri Gaming Commission themselves has said that in order for something to be a gambling device, it needs to be either a game of chance or a game of skill. 
Uh, we have proprietary software on all of our machines that are unlike any other machines being used across the state of Missouri. I think what's happening is that you see Jefferson City bureaucrats uh, see an innovative company like Torch Electronics that builds a better mousetrap, that adheres to the letter and the spirit of the law, but it makes bureaucrats mad because they aren't able to expand government, government regulation, government red tape, and costs upon Missourians. And they see our machines and our operators across the state, most of which are family-owned small businesses, and they see them as a good honeypot uh, to get their uh, fingers into, which bureaucrats like to do. And seems like it's going to be a discussion we're going to have in the legislature this year. You know, the opponents of this say that uh, the money from these machines aren't like the money from lottery and, and uh, uh, slot machines and casinos, that that money goes to veterans affairs, it goes to education. Well, what would you say to that argument? Well, a, a lot of our machines, some, some of our, our uh, best performing machines are actually giving money to mm-hmm. veteran and other organizations. Many of our no chance game machines are uh, in VFW posts. Uh, they are in uh, Eagles uh, uh, locations all over the state. Um, I, you know, I think the point here, Chris, is that according to Missouri law, our machines are legal. Now, if you like that, great. If you don't like that, then what you should do is go ahead and try to pass a bill through the Missouri legislature that expands regulation, expands government spending, expands red tape, and expands costs on Missourians. And let's have that discussion in Jefferson City. But what we shouldn't be doing is what the bureaucrats at the Missouri Gaming Commission are trying to do, which is just try to get their their money, their hands on some money, whether they're entitled to it or not. Greg, this Jim, I can't imagine that, you know, here in St. Louis metropolitan area and, oh, if you go down to the Elks Lodge down on Ladue Road or you go down to the, like you said, the, the American Legion or the VFW or wherever these things might be, that there's that many people uh, I, I can't imagine this rising to the gaming commission or the casino's concern. I mean, this seems to be more about a, like you said, a money grab or a power grab. Uh, do you see the legislature taking this up this session? I think what we're seeing here, Jim, and I think you're exactly right on your point. I think what we're seeing is some competitors of ours in adjacent spaces using different kinds of machines think that we are horning in on their business. And what they have decided is that they want to use the long arm of the government and try to use government and the Missouri state legislature to punish economically people who they see as their competitors. I think it's the worst of crony capitalism. And I think that free market conservative legislators in Jefferson City are going to see it for what it is, which is a cynical crony capitalist uh, power, power and money grab. Hey, Greg, this is Tony Colombo. Uh, before we had you on in the last segment, I was talking about how, you know, around the country, if people haven't traveled around a whole bunch and they're just used to the way we do things here in the state of Missouri, you know, you can go to gas stations and truck stops and see a dozen uh, video poker or, or video uh, uh, slot machines set up everywhere with chairs in front of them. And, you know, these types of, of machines are everywhere. Can you kind of uh, describe exactly the type of machine that we're talking about? Are we talking about strictly slot machines? Are we talking about video poker machines? Like, what kind of gambling uh, are we talking about? And if it falls into the, and then just follow that up with, if it falls into the letter of the law, what are they trying? What are your uh, the people that are against this trying to uh, claim? What what law are they trying to cite? Um, yep. You know that uh, that would make your machines illegal. Well, the reason our machines aren't illegal is because as the Missouri Gaming Commission themselves define it, it's like I said earlier, either a game of chance or a game of skill. Ours is clearly not a game of chill, uh, of skill uh, because it's not like poker or something like that where you're having to do a whole lot of math in your head. You're simply pressing a button. 
It's also not a game of chance, however, because our machines run off of a predetermined script. And I'm just going to give an example. It could say lose, 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 win, 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 lose, 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 win. So the, so the outcome is predetermined mm-hmm. before the person ever sits down at that machine. That differs from a video lottery machine, for instance, because those run off of random, gener- random number generators and algorithms so that when you sit down at the machine, you don't know the outcome. Furthermore, not only does ours run off a predetermined script, but every single time someone plays one of our no-chance gaming machines anywhere across the state of Missouri, there is a button on the interface that says, press this button if you want to find out if the next uh, poll or roll, I'll call it, if you want to know if it's a winning or a losing play. And, our, and people who play our games have every opportunity to do that every single time they play. So it's not a game of skill and it's not a game of chance. Uh, what what our competitors? How popular is that button, Greg? <laughs> you know what's amazing? I'd, I'd press that button every time. Yeah, you'd be amazed. I mean, what we found from our customers, and we have hundreds of machines across probably a couple dozen counties in Missouri. Our average customer is a truck driver who's been on the road for six yeah. or eight hours mm-hmm. and just wants to sit down, and have a little fun, play a game, yeah. and see if he or she is going to win. Um, these are not hard, uh, by and large, these are not hardcore gamblers. These are people who are just in off the road, play for a buck or two, and then get back, uh, along their way. I I do think one thing I do want to highlight though, is the majority of the people who operate the convenience stores and the locations in which we are in, particularly the convenience and gas stations, almost all of them are small family owned businesses Mm -hmm. that work in an industry that have, that has incredibly tight margins. I mean, along the lines of like, a grocery store. I mean, two, three, five percent margins. Mm-hmm. And what our machines allow them to do is give Missourians a legal game to play that helps those uh, mom and pop small businesses increase their margins in a very difficult industry. And it's been great for a lot of our operators. And they want our operators, frankly, want more of these rather than less because they've been so good for business and for economic development. You know, when I was reading about this, one of the advantages it seems that you guys have, and people were saying this, is that you know, these machines are close to their local stores, their gas stations. They'd rather go down the street to play these games instead of going to a casino. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's, that's, you know, that, that's probably true. What we have found, Chris, and I think that was Chris, what, mm-hmm. what we have found is that we have had multiple instances. I mean, probably dozens of instances where local police officers have come into our store. They say, we think this is an illegal gambling device. We're like, okay, you're wrong, but let's talk to the prosecutor about it. In every single instance, every single instance where uh, across the state of Missouri, where a local elected prosecutor has looked at our machines, inspected and investigated what our machines do and what they don't do. In every single one of those instances, after those local prosecuting attorneys have looked at our machines, they've reinstated our machines because they agree with what we say, which is that these are completely legal machines uh, that are operating across our stores. Greg, I want to thank you for coming on today and give us, giving us some insight on this. Is there a website or you could direct people to that they could get more information? Yeah, the name of our company is Torch Electronics. So you can go ahead and Google it and find more information there. Greg, appreciate your time. Happy Thanksgiving and uh, stay out of the black crowds, uh, Black Friday crowds, if you, uh, if you can. Same to you guys. Take All care. All right. Thank you. Thanks. What do you think? You know, I, I'd i be curious, and I was going to ask him, but we ran out a little mm-hmm. bit of time. I wonder if this issue is unique to the big brother mentality that regulators have in Missouri, it seems like. Are they happening yeah. in this, uh, other states? What What's happening in, in other states that have similar gaming laws to what we do, not a Vegas or a, right. 
uh, Atlantic City like New Jersey. But with these machines, you you can win money, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Okay. It's just, yeah. And you can find out if you're going to win <laughs> on the next play or not. It's just, but that's it's, only good once. You only know what the next one's going to yeah, do. Yeah, I know. And so you got to put money in to find out what the next one's no, going to do. No, I get it. Uh-huh. I get it. But I still love that. Yeah, it's a very good way to... Uh, Keep you playing. (laughs) Yeah, to keep you playing, exactly. Very, very, uh, very interesting. You're listening to the Annie Fry Show. This is Chris Arps on 97.1 FM Talk. Idina Menzel has two really big songs. Olaf has one song about how things don't change. And then, of course, as soon as that song's over, everything in the world changes for them, which is great. Right. And Kristen Bell, you didn't know how great of a singer she was. The first one, First Time in Forever, you go like, is that, is that Kristen Bell? Right. And then she's even stronger a singer in this movie. Wow. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. And what you just heard right there was a little piece of the new movie review segment that we have on our YouTube page and on our show page at 971talk.com slash weekend report. We mentioned it earlier in the show. Uh, Every week going forward, our very own Carl Middleman, uh, producer of the Weekend Report, who is also a member of the St. Louis Film Critics Association. And uh, for people that have been listening to 971 for a long time, Carl was a part of the Max on Movies show, the Entertainment Rundown show, and uh, so it's been we've and we've been missing that sort of movie review segment here on the station for the last couple of years. So we're bringing it back as part of the Weekend Report, and you'll be able to go to our page. 971talk.com slash weekend report every week and check out Carl's latest movie review. And that was us talking about the music in Frozen 2. And yes. we we did Frozen 2 and uh, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. We wanted to come out with our first movie review with two big ones. Mm-hmm. So you can go and check those out now on the 971talk.com YouTube channel on the Weekend Report playlist or just go to 971talk.com slash Weekend Report and you'll always be able to see the latest video that we have put up. And right now the latest video is the movie review. So it's going to be fun. Yes. Carl, so, you a partner? Can we like Cisco Niebuhr, Middleman, and Arps? No, that's no. all right. Thank okay. you, though. <laughs> Chris, Chris was questioning my bona fides. There are only 20 members in the St. Louis Film Critics wow. Association, including our own Mark Reardon. That's I correct. Mark would be in there. Yeah, and Mark, uh, Mark and I have talked. to. He's on TV, though, right. no. Right. B- besides his uh, Mark at the Movies yeah. segment that he does on Fridays. Well, you but have a face also, for radio, Carl. Yes. Well, he, I had to get that oh my in. Gosh, I'm sorry. That, Mark hates doing... <laughs> I hate, he probably doesn't want me to say this, but the great day St. Louis thing mm. that he does, he's like, I, I got to dress up. I got to know all my stuff. Because, because, you know, on radio, you can have all your notes in front of you, but on TV, right. Yeah, right. you have to, because he's a guest. He's not a, he's not one of the hosts. The mm. hosts have everything on teleprompter right, right. and I'm, he has to know all of his stuff. And so, well, he teach him what you did on the, on our movie review. You actually taped your notes <laughs> to the bottom of the tripod so, so I could look at them on the camera so and he it still could didn't see the matter. Notes. Yeah. That's because exactly one of the right. names was too small. Right. Huh? 
But so we did uh, we did Frozen Two and we did It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Go and check out the full reviews uh, again at ninety seven one talk dot com slash weekend report or the uh, or the ninety seven one YouTube channel. And a little bit earlier in the hour when we were talking about this new feature, we were talking about the Mister Rogers movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and. Again, you can get all the details on the movie review, but one of the things that we address is it's the marketing for this movie has been a little misleading. Yeah. So uh, it, it kind of explain what we mean by that, Carl. Yeah. It is not the story of Mr. Rogers. It is the story of this journalist played by Matthew Reese from mm-hmm. The Americans, and he is going through a crisis in his life. And he writes for Esquire magazine. Mm-hmm. Some of those things, those statements that I said, right. actually true, actually yeah. happened, but not the way that they show it on right. film. And his story, the journalist's story, is the focus of the film. Matthew Reese is the star of the film. Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers is a secondary character. So it was basically they the people they people that blow the, your mind or what? It, well, is it basically they didn't think that this movie could sell just no, on that story? No, the, so we've got to add Mr. Rogers wanted, on they there to that was get a good the appeal. Hook. Well, they got the rights to that story, so they're going to yeah. use it as much as they can. And the documentary that mm-hmm. came out last year, which is called "Won't You Be My Neighbor," which is my that was my favorite film last year. Okay. And that's the true Mr. That Rogers is the true bio. Mr. Rogers story. Yeah. That so, will make you cry like a little baby. So I don't this, cry, Carl. So this is this was yeah, yeah, it will. No, again, like like Carl said, it's it's they change some of the de- some of the major details they change. Right. Um but the elements of the there's a and that it's all matter. based in true story that this guy who wrote for Esquire magazine Thought years he was ago? Do a hit piece. Yeah, was going to do an article about Mister Rogers okay. and sort of expose him for not being the saint and the right. the perfect person that he portrayed on television. And he was going through personal issues. This this columnist mm-hmm. and Mister Rogers basically uh, proved that he was this great guy, and mm-hmm. then kind of helped this guy through his uh, okay. issues. And that's what the story is about. So it. people yeah. won't too feel- much. No, that's so fine. Is, that's is that fine. Too much? So yeah. people won't feel suckered. Like, hey, I thought I was exactly. coming in to see a, a Mr. That's Rogers get... movie, and you took me on a whole nother exactly tangent. Exactly why you've got to watch the movie reviews that we do every <laughs> week because you'll learn and uh, you'll learn things like that. And that doesn't mean again. Once again, yeah. we don't. Uh, you know, Carl rec- will recommend it if he if he rec- if, if I, he I still recommend that movie. Right. It has a lot of flaws. One of them being you're being misled to yeah. why you should go see. Yeah, it. yeah. and but that doesn't would... necessarily mean it's a bad movie. It's just we want. To make sure you understand what the movie is right. about, so you can that make might your turn decision. me off though. Even if I enjoy the movie, I think I'd be a little turned off that I was kind of right hoodwinked. I certainly thought it was <laughs> the story of Mister Rogers mm. after watching all. How of he was those. a sniper in the Vietnam War. <laughs> <laughs> also not <laughs> that's true. What I, yeah, I heard it. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true. But they make fun of that in the film. Oh, that's funny. Yes, that's funny. I have a question, but I just can't remember. Go, it. I can't remember what oh, it was. Was it about him being a sniper in Vietnam? No, it was something urban... about Mr. Rogers, but it'll, it'll come. Well, they do, yeah. and they also the doc. Watch the documentary. The oh, doc- okay. documentary is so much better than this film. Okay. And also, if you saw the documentary, you will be disappointed by a beautiful day in the neighborhood because "Won't You Be My Neighbor" is so good. Mm. So tell me this, Carl is 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 uh, Hanks? What's his first name? Tom. Is Tom nice. Hanks going to be nominated for his seventeenth Best Actor award for this movie mm. for this role? Possibly, but the <laughs> actors categories are so strong this year, mm. especially with the movie we're going to talk about next week, "The Irishman," yeah. by Martin Scorsese, well, which is now on. As you mentioned, on... though, if he does get nominated, 
It'll be for supporting actor. It'll be for supporting mm. actor, not because he's not the lead. Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers is not the lead of the Mr. Rogers movie. Carl, yes. Give me an example. Chris, <laughs> give me an example if there are of any movies in the past that have been like that, where you have a perception that it's a certain other movie, but when you get in there, it's something totally different, even though it's somewhat related to the title. Are there any other examples like that I'm that you can sure, think of offhand? I'm sure there are, but there are a lot of movies that get kept under wraps, and so you don't, and a lot of, you should probably, I have a friend mm-hmm. who does not see trailers at all because he wants to go in blind. He mm-hmm. doesn't want to know anything about a film. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a person like that, mm-hmm. th- that happens to you all the time. Right. Yeah. And so, but if you see trailers, you never know. Like, I thought you were going to go a different mm-hmm. way. Have you ever had a main character that gets screwed? This is actually politics because for a movie like, usually it's Quentin Tarantino movies, Django mm-hmm. Unchained, mm-hmm. Christoph Waltz won Best Supporting Actor okay. Because he was the he was a lead in that movie, and they got him for Best Supporting Actor because they wanted Jamie Foxx. They didn't want Jamie Foxx and Christoph Waltz competing for Best right. Actor. And Christoph Waltz, won, he was the lead in that movie, and he won Best Supporting mm-hmm. Actor. That's going to happen this year again with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Brad Pitt is the lead of that movie, mm-hmm. and they're pushing him mm. for Best Supporting Actor. He is the are there lead. Any, are there any rules about that? I always <laughs> thought that Best Supporting Actor... I didn't think but it was Le- just Leonardo DiCaprio. I thought it had something to do with t- uh, screen time and and that. Or is there? Is it not? I I think the are there no rule. They just kind of. I think they make them up as they go yeah, along. Right. Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio is great mm-hmm. in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but Brad, it's Brad Pitt's movie. I would right. say maybe for screen time. It depends on screen time and uh, it's it's. It's political because yeah. you have to deal with the politics of Hollywood. It yep. seems like yep. a film critic would be an excellent director or producer. Is that the case with sometimes? Because usually you hear them producing movies or, or criticizing movies, but I've never heard of a film critic actually being like a producer film or critic? a district or a director or anything. Uh, Roger Ebert produced and wrote screenplays. I did not know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls okay. was his that. thing. Uh, and Brad Pitt has never won an acting. Oscar, but he has a producing Oscar. When Twelve Years a Slave won Best Picture, oh, he he was involved with that. He that. his production company was behind that. There you go. That. Make sure you check it out. This and Carl's now, a fount of Hollywood movies, and that's there. why that's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, something that you can check out now and every week going forward. We'll have some fun, you know, as we get into the holidays, too. We'll always review new movies, but we'll also talk about, you know, older movies mm-hmm. and what you should watch at Christmas and that Tonight, kind of thing. Tonight, It's and... a Wonderful Life is on NBC. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Carl, can you clear something up? My wife we loves... Like, get, there's a 20 rash. seconds. Okay, my wife loves <laughs> Spaceballs. Yes. Will you just agree with me that those are the worst, that's the worst movie ever made? No. Oh, I love Spaceballs. Who does? Who why would you work? hate Spaceballs? Yeah. Because it's corny and I hate Mel Brooks movies. It's, oh. Well, see, you have a predisposition going (laughs) in. Big time. Check out the movie reviews uh, this and every week at 971talk.com slash weekend report or the 971 YouTube channel. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Weekend Report for my partner, Chris Arps, our producer, Carl Middleman. Hi. I'm Tony Colombo. We will be back here next week with another edition of the Weekend Report. We thank you for listening and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. You're listening to 971 FM Talk.
at 971talk.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.